Good morning, everybody. All right. Uh, if you arrived a little bit late, just to let you guys know, my name's uh, Jeremy. Uh, my wife Amy's in the back, and we have a uh, little Cora. And uh, all the elders and pastors are uh, at a planning weekend, so I, I get to fill in for them this morning um, down in the desert. If you guys are wondering where they are. Um, anyways, uh, Lynn told me uh, after first service that the best way I could have started off my sermon w- was with pictures of Cora. Um, this is her on her little bike. She's pretty cute, huh? Yeah, she's getting really big. Our friends gave us that bike, and she's super proud of it, if you can tell. Uh, every time I go get firewood in the morning, she crawls out and she grabs it and then shot at the park, and, and uh, she's, pre- she's pretty cute. She's got that little, she's got the little snaggle tooth coming in right now. And she's working on a second snaggletooth. Uh, it's been causing her some pain. Anyways, we love her a lot. Oh, yeah, that was Halloween. Uh, Raggedy Ann in the parade. So that was pretty fun. She was a little bit overwhelmed by all the people. and But, uh, yeah. So I love uh, sharing pictures. In fact, I, I share pictures probably a little too much. I put her. I have her on the background of my cell phone, and I always am showing it to people. And I was at, like, a Camp Allendale recruiting event. And I ended up showing everybody that was around my table, like, pictures of Cora and people that would come up and be like, hey, let me show you my daughter. And uh, I was at the dentist on Friday, and I was showing the dentist and the hygienist uh, pictures of Cora. So um, she's pretty cute. So, Well, that doesn't really have a whole lot to do with my sermon this morning, but uh, she's pretty awesome. I love sharing pictures. We can't post pictures online of her, uh, which I would definitely blow up your guys' feed if I could. Um, and it would probably get a lot of likes, but... Um, yeah, but I love sharing uh, pictures of her in person. So uh, I have another picture to show you. It's of my family friend, Tom. Uh, this was from the last time I went to Ventura. And uh, Tom and Jackie are my parents' best friends, which my parents actually came today. They're going to hate it that I embarrass them. But my, my dad and my mom are in the back. They don't have to stand up. But <laughs> my mom mainly came mostly to hang out with Cora, and, uh, so, which I, I don't blame her. Uh, anyways, Tom is a, is a family best friend. We've done a lot of holidays with Tom and Jackie, uh, and their two girls, uh, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, and, uh, even, uh, Amy and I, we did some premarital counseling with Tom and Jackie, and then we actually went honeymooned at their cabin at Hume Lake together, not with them, but Amy and I went to their cabin. Uh, and then a few months ago, I, we actually were rearranging some furniture in our house, and, uh, found some encouraging cards from Tom. Uh, he had written me some notes along the way uh, as I went through middle school and high school, and it was just uh, pretty awesome. So uh, 29 years ago, Tom was diagnosed with colon cancer, and he beat it, um, which was awesome. Uh, we could clap for that if you want to. Um, but uh, even still, he's lived a lot of years in, in pain, and uh, Tom uh, has faced a lot of obstructions of the intestines where essentially his obstructions kink like a hose, and it causes a lot of pain, a lot of throwing up, and most of the time, uh, several days in the hospital. Uh, There's always been a lot of complications with his surgery just because of how many he's had, pancreatitis to too much scar tissue, and uh, so on. Um, One time, though, I got a text from Jackie after Tom had been in the hospital for a while, and and her text message said Tom had a BM. And uh, I didn't know what that was. And so I, I, uh, I was like, what is that? I couldn't think of it, and I was trying to like go through my mind, like, what is a BM? And, 
And so I texted her back, and I felt super dumb when she texted me back. But I haven't forgotten since then. So, um, Anyways, about a month ago, I was at a buddy's house up here um, hanging out with some friends. And uh, I was getting ready to leave, and I noticed I had a voicemail from my mom. And uh, I'd actually just talked to my parents earlier in the day. And, uh, you know, you never talk to your parents twice in one day. Like, once a week is pretty good. Just kidding. Uh, just kidding. Uh, but I'd actually talked to them earlier, just a couple hours before, and so I immediately thought to myself, well, either something really good happened or something bad happened. And uh, I didn't wait to, to listen to her voicemail, and this is what her voicemail said. She said, hey, Jeremy, it's your mom. Uh, we just wanted to let you know Tom has colon cancer again. Obviously, pray for them as they journey this once again. Uh, we don't know all the details, but anyway, uh, we wanted you to find out from us. And uh, immediately I was taken aback uh, with worry for Tom and Jackie. Um, Tom has recovered from more surgeries. He's endured more physical pain, and he's lived more graciously than anyone that I know. And uh, I wondered in the past, and I wondered at that moment, if uh, Tom had enough strength left in him uh, to fight cancer once again. Uh, anyway, since that phone call, Tom has been to multiple appointments. He's had a ton of tests done, uh, and the severity of his cancer has been examined. Um, I've checked in with my parents just about once a week to find out more details on Tom and Jackie, and it looks like the odds are against him and that the cancer has spread quite a bit. Um, last Sunday, though, I was uh, laying on my couch taking a nap. Cora was napping, and I was napping, and uh, I got a group uh, message, uh, or I was a part of a group message that Jackie had sent to, to my siblings and me. And uh, this is what her text said. She said, hi, some of my favorite peeps. As you guys know, Tom was recently diagnosed with colon cancer. We totally appreciate your prayers and support. I'm not sure if you, re if you have received the most recent news, but I thought it might be nice for you to hear it from the horse's mouth. Tom had a port put in on last Monday, and will start chemo tomorrow. We will sit for six hours while they start the chemo. Then they will hook him up to a stylish fanny pack. Yes, in case you didn't know, this was in, in uh, parentheses. In case you didn't know, they are back in style. And uh, which they kind of are, it's, it's sort of, it's pretty funny. Um, anyways, and the fanny pack holds some more chemo, which will bring home with him and continue to infuse for an additional 46 hours. At that point, we go back on Wednesday, and they will disconnect the chemo, and he will have this regimen every other week for six months. The side effects should be minimal compared to those that lose their hair or have the chemo look. Um, after the six month, either the chemo stops working or the side effects get so bad that they stop. And uh, at that point, Tom will have an additional 12 to 14 months to live, making it 20 to 24 months uh, from this point. And uh, you're probably wondering at this point uh, what this has to do with thanks. Um, as you know, probably this is a part of a, a five-part sermon series on thanks. And I promise you that it does have uh, something to do with thanks. In fact, I think that it's a, it's a great example of how we're supposed to be thankful um, but I'll get there, um, so just be patient with me and, and wait a little bit. Um, this morning, we're going to take a look at uh, Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, uh, where Jesus heals the ten lepers. If you don't have a Bible, um, one of the ushers will be glad to bring you one if you raise your hand. And uh, if you'll turn, turn with me, uh, you'll only find this story in Luke. Uh, if you'll turn with me to uh, Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. I realized later when I got here that there's probably a lot of text on one PowerPoint, so I've got to work on my PowerPoint skills. Uh, if you can read it, great. If you can't, I'm sorry. Uh, but you should have your Bible with you. So uh, let's read it together. 
On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell at, on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now we're kind of jumping right into the middle of Luke and right into the middle of the chapter. So let me uh, give you guys a little bit of context for our passage. Uh, within the context of Luke, Jesus is uh, on his way to Jerusalem and he's starting to turn his attention uh, towards the kingdom of God. And he's explaining to his disciples uh, what sorts of attitudes belong in God's kingdom. Um, in the beginning of chapter 17, you'll see that Jesus talks about forgiveness and then just prior to our passage, you'll see that he encourages humility. And you can probably guess in our passage, Jesus talks about thanks or gratitude. And then right after our passage, Jesus is asked by the Pharisees about the coming of the kingdom, and he responds to them. Uh, Luke's gospel was addressed to the most excellent Theophilus with the purpose of bringing certainty concerning the things he, Theophilus, had been taught. And it seems as though Theophilus, most likely a Gentile, was really wondering if he belonged to the people of God. And Luke writes with the intentions to show him that he assuredly does. The result is a gospel that highlights the beauty of racial diversity in God's plan, which Luke makes certain to point out in this passage. Luke reveals, reveals how God cares for people who normally despise one another. And Jesus was on a common, commonly trafficked road, and like many others, he sort of went around Samaria to avoid the Samaritans. Now, if you know your Bible geography or your Middle East geography, uh, ancient Near East geography, actually, it's uh, Galilee's in the, in the northern section, and then Jerusalem's in the southern section. And in between this uh, is uh, a land of Samaria. Um, the, Samarians, uh, the Samaritans weren't well-liked, and so most of the time people traveling would kind of go east to west towards an area called Perea that's sort of over here and, uh, and uh, go along this road. And uh, Jesus, of course, we know he wasn't afraid to interact with Samaritans. In fact, there's many accounts through the Gospels where Jesus interacts with them. Uh, but it was typical in his day to travel this route um, when going from uh, Galilee to Jerusalem. So Jesus enters the village. He's greeted by ten lepers, which is like the largest group of lepers in the Bible. Uh, who stood at a distance, but they still lifted up their voices. They cried out to Jesus for mercy. Jesus' reputation had gone before him as a healer, and these men were asking him to perform a miracle in their lives and give them healing from their disease. We know from this passage that these men were of mixed nationality, but as you might know, or in case you don't know, uh, the lot of the leper wasn't a very good one. Um, according to Leviticus 13, 45, and 46, the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean, unclean. And he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. 
Now, if these were healthy men, they probably wouldn't associate with each other because of their mixed nationalities. Um, but as the old saying goes, misery loves company. And so it's really no surprise that these men are willing to take comfort in each other's company. Maybe they gather just for the sake of going um, to see Jesus. Um, what's interesting, though, and definitely a major theme within Luke's gospel, is the idea that the good news Jesus brings crosses all social, national, political, and racial boundaries, just like the disease does. In my studying, uh, most of the scholars related the disease of leprosy in Bible times much to modern-day victims of HIV or AIDS. Uh, one, one scholar noted, For a modern parallel to the leper, we may think of victims of AIDS. Just like the AIDS victim, the leper of the ancient world was ostracized from society and largely forgotten. True today, the victims of AIDS get much publicity, along with a great clamor to fund research to fight the HIV disease. But many people would, ref would prefer to forget these victims of disease and shunt them off to the fringes of society. To get close to them or to touch them would be too much to risk. So put yourself in the leper's shoes a little bit. You live outside of the city. Every time you go near someone, you have to cry out, unclean, unclean. Uh, people won't even look at you. People won't ever touch you. You're most likely separated from your family, your friends, and you're forced to live on the fringe of society. I, uh, I don't know that much about leprosy, but I, um, I Google searched uh, leprosy and, uh, and, and saw some images. And I had thought about even putting some up here on the slideshow for you guys. Um, quite honestly, for me, like it was a little bit too gruesome, I felt like. Um, not that uh, you can't go look at them on, on Google, but um, it, was, it, was, it was definitely something that would separate them. Um, even if they were allowed to walk in the city, um, I don't know that people would have uh, approached them or, or uh, been in community with them. Anyway, so these lepers, they hear about a guy named Jesus. He makes the lame walk. He gives the blind sight. He sets the captives free. And, uh, and maybe you even heard about um, him healing a leprous person. And, and uh, we can read about that in Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 17. You don't have to turn there. Uh, but Luke 5, 13 says, And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. So Jesus was willing to touch the leper, um, whereas in our passage is a little bit different. Uh, so would you guys do what the men did, the ten men did? Jesus is quite famous at this point. And so they gather together, and they, they go and they find Jesus, and they call out to him, crying, Master, for surely he has the authority to set me free from my disease. They say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And right away, Jesus responds with the right answer, which is go and show yourselves to the priest, which was customary for the day, since it was the priest who would declare someone clean once again. So the men leave immediately, and their very act of leaving Jesus' presence and going to the priest declared two things for us. Number one, that the men had faith Jesus would heal them. And then number two, that Jesus has acted to heal them, even at a distance. Now it gets interesting here because unlike most of the other miracles uh, throughout the Bible, uh, or throughout the gospel at least, is that the, the focus is not on the miracle, but more on the response to the miracle. And uh, it's as if uh, Luke is trying to communicate through this story that God's work in our lives demands a response. Did I skip a page? Nope. Maybe. 
No, I didn't skip a page. Sorry about that. Uh, and in the the response that we give uh, is is uh, on display from the one who returned to praise him. So, um, as you guys know, this uh, sermon is part of a five part sermon series on on thanks. And uh, as I was preparing to preach, I was kind of trying to figure out like what's the progression between uh, Pastor Tim who preached the last two weeks, and then I actually don't know where Brandon's going next week, but it'll be on thanks. I can tell you that. Uh, and then it'll kind of all come to a climax with a uh, a extended worship service together. Um, and I'm excited about that. Uh, but I was looking at the first two weeks and I felt like the two major points that, that Tim had, at least that I came away with was that for part one, that thanks is a big deal to God. Um, if you didn't hear a sermon, you can go online and, and listen to it. Um, but we know that thanks is a big deal to God, that it, it matters to God. It isn't just a, uh, something to, he's like, yeah, I kind of appreciate it. No, it's a big deal to God. And then part two, uh, Pastor Tim uh, communicated that don't forget to not forget about thanks in all circumstances. And uh, he looked at Philippians uh, 4, 6, and 7, uh, which talked about being thankful in all circumstances. And then for part three, um, I felt like the purpose of my sermon, kind of my main point, uh, the thing I hope you remember after all of this, is that you should be thankful for the work of God in your life, no matter how good, as we'll see in the example of the leper, and no matter how bad, as we'll learn from Tom and Jackie's story a little bit. Or in other words, in just a few words actually, I would say that you need to respond with thanks. Really to everything. And we learn how to respond with thanks from the one man who returned. The text says, Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. Only one of them? Yes, only one of them, and a Samaritan at that. The text tells us that the man, seeing he was healed, returned to Jesus and began to praise God with a loud voice along the way. And once he found Jesus, he fell at his feet, giving him thanks. And then Luke adds a little editorial comment to show even more the importance of the man's response by stressing that he was a Samaritan. Now, Samaritans, as you may know, were not the most well-liked people. I don't want to compare them to anyone today, uh, necessarily, but in Jesus' day, the Samaritans were not well-received by the Jews. In fact, they were hated by the Jews. The Samaritans were a mixed race. Uh, kind of the slang, which I don't know that it's so PC, is that they were somewhat Jewish half-breeds, um, and they had commit idolatry, and, and so they were despised by them. And uh, somewhat to their credit, they would do many things to hinder the travel as people would go from Galilee to Jerusalem. So this man, his racial roots um, are ones that show insensitivity towards, uh, towards God. Now the passage, on the other hand, doesn't say that everybody else in the party, in the ten, were Jews. Uh, but we can assume that there were probably um, men uh, of Jewish background that were, that were in that group. Uh, but Luke's addition of the man being the, the Samaritan is all the more to stress uh, one of the major themes of Luke which I've mentioned before, of the inclusion of the gospel, or in other words, the gospel's power to cross all social, political, national, and racial boundaries. And that's something that we can praise God for, uh, because I would not be here this morning if it wasn't. So, and then as if Luke's statement was not enough, Jesus adds his own emphasis to the man being a Samaritan. 
It is apparent that Jesus is speaking not directly to the man, but perhaps to a crowd that had probably gathered to follow Jesus. And he asks these questions. Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And I thought we could answer Jesus' questions uh, together this morning. Were not ten cleansed? Yes, ten were cleansed, Jesus. You probably would know this. He is the one that healed them. You are the one that healed them. You should know. Where are the nine? Well, the other nine are probably on their way to show themselves to the priest, just as Jesus had told them to. Uh, in, in a sense, they were, they were just being obedient to what Jesus had. But they probably saw beyond the priest the life that they would have um, after being declared clean. Um, there's a long, if you can read it in Leviticus 13, there's a long uh, purification ceremony that you have to go through to be declared clean. But realize for these men that after they were clean, they would be able to join society as a normal uh, human being. They would no longer have to be outside or live outside. They wouldn't have to wear torn clothes. They could have meals with their family. They could perhaps get a job and uh, make wages. But somehow Jesus acts surprised that these men didn't come back to praise God. And I'm suggesting this morning that that Jesus is surprised because of their lack of faith. Um, They express faith in their leaving to present themselves to the priest, but their only concern was for their own physical healing. They were excited about the work, but they weren't excited or interested in the worker. And then Jesus' third question was, no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner. Obviously, only this Samaritan is sitting before Jesus' feet, praising God. And if not, Jesus probably would have seen other people. But Jesus' question, I think, demands a response from us to think about is that being that, do you return to praise God and give thanks for His work in your life? Do you guys give thanks in moments of miraculous healing and in moments of seeming torment? Remember, it is all about how you respond. And it's almost as if God is saying to us that He cares not so much about uh, the things that happen in our lives, but about how we respond to those things. Uh, right now, I'm uh, uh, a leader of a life group, and we're studying First uh, Peter. And uh, if you're not in a life group, you're welcome to join our life group or any of the other life groups, and you can get a list. There's a list in your bulletin. It's not too late, even though it's November. Uh, but we're studying First Peter, which is a heavy letter because it talks about the purpose of our suffering and also the source of our suffering. I love the beginning of First Peter. It's uh, verses 6 and 7. It says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the the revelation of Jesus Christ. So he's telling them that, um, by the way, the the audience of Jesus' letter were foreigners, were exiles, much like the Samaritan man um, would have been. And he's telling his, his readers that the trials they are facing are a test of their genuine faith. In comparison to our passage, you can almost see Jesus healing these ten men in, in a way to test their faith. Peter is saying to his readers that the way you respond to God's work in your life, no matter how miraculous or difficult, they face a lot of persecution, is important and, you, and your response should have, like the one Samaritan leper 
uh, should be that of gratitude. So the leper knew that seeing the priest would set him free to become a normal member of society, but he chose to delay that for the sake of praising God. Jesus' humility is on display in this passage because he does not take the glory or honor for himself, but he praises his Father in heaven. Contrary to the nine, the man's response of thanksgiving to God was a result of his newfound faith. Jesus' words to him in closing, in the closing verse, were typical of his response to those he healed. He says, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now, there's some irony in the text here. It was commonplace in Bible times to think of leprosy as being representative of sin in a person's life. And that was much of the thinking behind why they had to live outside of the camp so that their sin would not corrupt the lives of others. These ten men, they're healed physically, and, they, and nine of them go immediately to show themselves to the priests, therefore being declared clean, but only one returns to praise God. Though the nine had been healed physically, their hearts were still hardened towards God. They believed in the work, but not the worker. The one man, however, he received physical and spiritual suffering, or healing, my bad, spiritual healing. For we know that from Jesus' words, he was saved that very day. And this morning, Jesus offers you that same healing. Perhaps your heart is a little bit hardened towards God, but Jesus is still extending his mercy to you this morning. And I'd ask you if you are, have been a recipient of God's mercy lately and yet have failed to respond in thanksgiving that you guys should do that. Thanksgiving is, is just a few weeks away. Uh, pretty soon Amy and I, we're going to be on an airplane to Seattle to spend Thanksgiving with my family and some of my extended family. You guys can pray for us because Cora is most awake from 6 to 9 a.m. And our, and our airplane ride is at 6 and uh, so she'll be out and about, and I'm sure she'll make all the uh, flight attendants happy, and maybe we'll get some extra perks because uh, we have a baby on the airplane. We'll see what happens. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Pray for us. Uh, but in light of this uh, holiday approaching, I'd like to challenge you guys to respond with Thanksgiving for a few things that we've learned from the text. Number one, uh, we should respond with thanks for God's mercy in our lives. I'd encourage you guys to take time to reflect on the past days, the past months, the past years, and remember the times when God has shown you mercy in the miraculous and in the difficult. If you're having difficulty thinking of God's mercy, let me remind you of what Matthew 5.45 says, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Just yesterday I was at uh, Camp Allendale. Um, I had to spend some time uh, getting ready for this morning, and uh, I felt God's mercy there as, as, a, as a doe and a fawn came, and they grazed on the back lawn at, at camp. And uh, I love sitting there looking out my office window and, uh, and just appreciate God's creation and God's beauty um, and watching this doe and this fawn. The fawn bedded down on the back lawn. They grazed for like an hour, and I, and I felt like it was a, a tangible way that God was showing me his mercy and being able to appreciate that as the sun went down and, and so on. And I challenge you guys to think about moments in your life uh, where God has displayed his mercy to you. Uh, maybe he gives you mercy as you drive down the mountain um, on your commute to work. 
Maybe he shows you mercy in your marriage through your relationship with your spouse. Uh, maybe this week you'll get an expression of God's mercy and be the recipient of one of those encouragement cards in your bulletin, which I know I've been a recipient before as well. Be on the lookout for God's mercy in your life and be thankful for it. The second thing that I would say we should respond with thanks for is God's goodness in the gospel. As Luke emphasized in his gospel, everyone is invited to the kingdom of God. It is not reserved just for the people of Israel, and it includes the outsider, the Samaritan, the hated, the despised, and the leper. And if you're here today and you feel like an outsider, know that you have a seat at God's table at this Thanksgiving. Just as God's grace extended to the foreigner, so should our grace extend to the outsider. I know with the holidays coming up, uh, I, uh, because of God's grace, have awesome in-laws and extended family on both sides. Um, but I hear stories about uh, whose, people whose family is not the same way. And I know that the holidays can cause a lot of stress, a lot of difficulty. Thanksgiving dinner is mostly filled with conflict and aunt so-and-so blown up or whatever, I don't know. Uh, and maybe you feel like your family's a little bit like uh, from, from Samaria. Maybe they're a little bit uh, of the Samaritan type. And uh, we know from this passage that God's goodness extends to them and that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus um, to, to them as well. The third thing that we should respond with thanks for is God's forgiveness of sin. The one leper, he sought physical healing and found spiritual healing as well. His counterparts, they only found physical healing and they missed out on the forgiveness of sin. Jesus' words were him to go, rise and go, your faith has made you well. And he could be saying the same thing to you today as well, to go because your faith has made you well. Faith in Jesus means the forgiveness of sin and life in God's kingdom. Let's remember to respond with thanks this holiday season when it's been covered with so much other things. The, uh, I didn't read all of Jackie's text to you guys, and I want to read the, the second half to it uh, to you. Um, I know you wouldn't blame her. I wouldn't blame her if, if she was angry, upset, and sad at Tom's health. And, uh, but I think her, her response is, is a great response that we can learn from. Uh, her, she says, I want you guys to know that I see this time frame as a gift. You know Tom's brother, um, who had died suddenly in a car crash a few years ago, or a train crash a few years ago. He didn't get six months or a year to do whatever he would want to do. Tom's dad only got two weeks. Tom had cancer 29 years ago, and the Lord could have taken him then. Or you all have witnessed Tom be so sick in the hospital that he wondered if he, could, if he would survive. He did survive because of God's grace and his gift to us. I could go on and on about how thankful I am for our life after here on earth and the gratitude I have to Jesus for his sacrifice. But I hope you all already know how thankful I am. I love you and am super thankful. I love you and am super thankful for the years we have had. Let's go and give him glory and live each day we have in a way that we are worthy of being called a follower of Christ.
That's a pretty impressive way to respond to somebody who is facing terminal cancer. And I think we learn from the leper that our response should be that of thanks when something fantastic happens. And we can learn from Tom and Jackie's story when something terrible happens that our response should be thanks. We should remember to thank God for His mercy in our lives, for His goodness in the gospel, for His forgiveness of sin. And so as this holiday approaches, as we continue our series, be thinking about, be looking at, be recognizing, reflect upon the things that God has given you, the people in your life that He has blessed you with, and most importantly, the life that we are offered in His Son, Jesus. Be thankful for the work of God in your life because it is all about how we respond. And let's, uh, let's pray right now and, and thank the Father. Father, we thank you that you give us life, that you give us abundant life that is filled with many treasures in heaven. Father, help us to understand your word more. Help us to listen well to the Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that as we approach this holiday season, we would all be ambassadors of your grace and of your mercy, that we would show compassion to our family members, to the strangers, to the foreigners that we, that we run into. Father, we praise you for all that you have given to us, for your grace and your mercies, which is new every morning. We praise you for how you have saved us from sin and that you cleanse us not just physically but spiritually as well. Father, we praise you for all that you have given to us and we thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.